RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of City Ringside. This is David Penzer, and we are so happy, as always, that you are here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. And I am excited to have my old friend, WWE referee, former WCW referee, Charles Robinson. I I was looking back at his career, and it's like, and, and, and I'll use the term probably in the interview a couple of times, but the guys like won the... The, the, the wrestling fantasy camp lottery, uh, living your dream lottery. I, I ne- didn't realize how many, you know, not only how long he's been doing this, uh, but how many big matches he was a part of. Sting and Flair on the last night show, Flair and Undertaker on his first WrestleMania, uh, Flair's retirement match, Shawn Michaels' retirement match, Hogan versus uh, Triple H versus Sting. Uh, at WrestleMania, and obviously this past uh, week, crazy uh, match with uh, with uh, Shane McMahon and The Miz. Uh, but uh, just got back from New York City. Uh, it was great to see a lot of good friends, a lot of old friends. Uh, had a great weekend. Uh, I know we talk a lot about hanging out at the bar. I, I never went to the bar because the drinks were twenty bucks a piece. Twenty bucks, Jerry. That's that's my price. You want you know everybody says everybody has a price for an eight dollar man. That's my price to go up and pour my own stuff that I bought down the, down the street. Uh, but, um, but yeah, uh, never, I did make it to the WWE bar on Friday night and, um, and I want to thank Dave Finley and Mel, his lovely wife, for hosting me there. Uh, saw a lot of old friends and made made a lot of new ones. Uh, me and Stevie Ray had a couple of laughs over uh, our last uh, po- his last podcast appearance, and I got the scoop on on what he's doing with uh, on the Meltzer stuff and and all that. So uh, he's going to probably be on the podcast here sooner than later, and uh, we'll catch up with him. He gave me the heads up that uh, that he was going to mention the Ole Anderson thing. Uh, uh, in in his speech, and I uh, was really excited for them. It's funny, I saw Luke Gallows. I never knew Luke Gallows does like a, a quote-unquote impression of me on Talk is Jericho until I did Talk is Jericho, and I had, some one fan had told me that before, and I was like, what? They're like, yeah, Luke Gallows does an impression of you. I'm like, like doing what? Like It's like ring announcing. And so I haven't seen Luke Gallows since I heard that, and since the last uh, talk that I was on Talk is Jericho, and, and Chris had me... Uh, introduce him in my ring announcer voice, so to speak. So uh, he was one of the first guys that walked into the bar as I'm sitting there with Dave and Mel Finley and um, and had, laughed when he saw me. He's like, holy crap, is that David Penzer? And I'm like, I heard you do an impression of me. He's like, buy this guy a drink. And uh, we took a picture and put it on Twitter. And uh, even, even uh, Jericho retweeted it. And he doesn't retweet something unless it's pretty entertaining to him. So uh, it was great to see him, uh, Samoa Joe. Got to meet a lot of new, the new up and coming guys, referees, and some talent relations people. And everybody's everybody's classy uh, for sure. And um, and had a great time that night in the bar. I also have lined up a bunch of great guests. I don't want to go through the names. Uh, I did talk to Scott Steiner, and he's more. Uh, he, he, I'm getting closer to him uh, being on the podcast. So. Uh, that is still a goal of mine, but uh, lined up a lot of great legends, a lot of uh, a lot of great guests, uh, a lot of female talent that uh, have a huge history in this business. So I mean, I like you know, hey, Becky Lynch just won the uh, world title, headlining the biggest show of the year. Uh, so if we're going to do a wrestling podcast, I want to interview just as many uh, women uh, wrestlers and women legends. As, as, as men, uh, if I can. So if they're going to be part of it, and God, God bless that, I think it's been a great thing that's happened. Uh, Want to hear their stories as well, have them tell their stories. Had, a, had a, a, a band for the after party, had like one of those armbands uh, that Fit Finley gave me, and uh, it was a tough call because I had a business meeting. I, I, I put something on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter. it's By the way, if you don't, it's at David Penzer. Uh, at David Penzer, all one word. But um, what should I, what to do, what to do? I had never been to a WrestleMania after party, and you always hear things about them. Uh, 
I knew this one was going to be late. It was about probably a 40-minute cab ride each way from where I was staying at the time, which was my sister. Uh, my sister has two young kids. I just didn't want to stumble in at four in the morning and 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 wake them up. I thought that would be rude. And also, I had an important business meeting, something that had nothing to do with wrestling, but business the next day, the next morning. Uh, so... Uh, I decided, David, you got to have to be an adult for one time and not go to the after party. And I hope next year in Tampa, I'll be afforded the same opportunity. And I will most likely, uh, unless something major is going on, go. But that was tough. I got to I got to be honest with you. That was tough to look at that armband and know that uh, I was invited, uh, but just didn't make a lot of sense. Saw a couple of the mania matches. Uh, uh, didn't get to see them all. I'm going to go back and watch it. Uh Great for Kofi Kingston. I got to watch the from about the middle of that match on till right before the girls' match, uh, main event. I didn't get to see that, but I saw highlights. Um, I know there's been a lot of complaints. I, I know the show was was as as a WrestleMania as far as quality of matches, uh, pretty much thumbs up uh, as far as the overall show. But a lot of people complain that it's too long, and I respect the fact that WWE likes to get every, try to get everybody in. To get everybody to get a WrestleMania payday and a WrestleMania moment, you got to respect that. But it, I think it went seven and a half hours. Yeah, that's. I, I just think that's too long for anybody. But uh, but you got to respect the fact that they're that they want you. They want everybody to get their moment and to get that payday. Also, watch the Hall is a Hall of Fame on my phone. It's crazy. If you'd have told me uh, uh, twenty years ago, I could sit in my hotel room and watch the WWE Hall of Fame on my f- cell phone. First, I'd have said, "What's a cell phone?" And then I'd said, what's WWE Hall of Fame? And then I would have said, I couldn't believe it. But um, congratulations to all those guys. Uh, the only blip on the radar is that moron who attacked Bret Hart. Uh, and uh, hope I don't know if that guy qualifies for jail with a, uh, whatever he did. But if he does, I hope they throw him the book. Kudos to Bret for continuing his speech. And Bret's not always the most emotional guy in the world, a heartfelt guy in the world. Uh, he's been through a lot, and he's a very closed kind of guy sometimes. I, I, I thought his speech was amazing. Uh, he really was very heartfelt and really uh, showed a lot of emotion. And for them, him, him to have to come back and then uh, and continue it after being attacked like that uh, at his age uh, with everything he's had to go through, um, I, I give him a lot of credit. And um, and uh, he earned – I had a ton of respect for Brett before – but uh, he earned my utmost respect for not only the way he handled himself, but the speech I thought was awesome. I even liked the D- DX speech, and sometimes the DX stuff is, you know, kind of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Jerry? Kind of uh, juvenile? Juvenile. Uh, I thought their speech was entertaining. Uh, the fact that they Vince mentioned Vince McMahon in, in every way that they could. And then to find out later that a producer got or a writer got fired for for letting somebody say Vince McMahon in, in, in what I think is an earlier speech, and then for those five guys to go out, one of whom is the Southern Law and the and 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 a, uh, a chief something, uh, another one is was the head writer of SmackDown until recently, uh, the uh, you know plus uh, you know Billy Gunn and and and. Sean Waltman and, and Sean Michaels, who's untouchable, you know, what are you going to do, fire Sean Michaels because you don't like what he says? Uh, you know, you got a bunch of people who really were unfireable on that stage, and they really uh, made an interesting uh, speech. And then when the when the laughs were over, the, the speeches were very heartfelt. It seemed like there were some tears to be shed. Uh, even Hunter uh, really got emotional, and uh, that's good to see. That's good to see. You could get caught up in this business, and and uh, and and if, especially if you're powerful in this business. And great to see that how much he values his family and and and, and his his kids. Because at the end of the day, when all that goes, when everything goes away, it may not go away for Triple H. He'd probably be running the ship for a long time. But when all that goes away, or you you know WrestleMania week is over, and you come home, you look at your family and 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 your friends and. That's what you have that's special. So I, I hate to wax nostalgic. But um, really enjoyed the Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, had a great time this weekend. And um, for those that I met, uh, I want to thank you. If uh, People still actually remember me. People like the podcast. They mentioned it. So uh, it was an honor to meet fans and hear positive feedback. And I would like negative feedback, but I didn't get any. So uh, I'm spoiled. So that is my WrestleMania weekend uh, roundup, I guess. Uh, so 
I guess without further ado, uh, I've been excited about this now for about a week and a half, and uh, I'm still excited about it. So let's bring on my guest this week, longtime WCW and WWE referee. He also works with the ring crew, and he's probably uh, refereed uh, the most special, quote-unquote, legendary matches of all time out of any referee that I could think of off the top of my head. My old friend, one of the nicest, nicest people in this business, and I mean that. Charles Robinson, welcome to City Ringside. Very excited, ladies and gentlemen, for my guest this week. He is WWE referee extraordinaire, formerly WCW referee extraordinaire. I remember when he got his tryout match in Charlotte and uh, so excited to talk to him. You know, I always say that the term one of the nicest guys in the business is overused in the wrestling business. But on the uh, in the case of my guest this week, Charles Robinson, he is truly one of the nicest guys in the business. I'm way up there with Bobby Eaton and very few come close. So, Charles, thank you so much for being on uh, City Ringside. Excited to have you. Well, thanks for having me on your show, man. I listen to it all the time, and I really enjoy what you're doing. Oh, that's an honor. That's an honor. So let's start with the obvious. Just back from uh, WrestleMania week in uh, New York City, the Big Apple. Uh, how was that? And what's, uh, what's, what's a mania week uh, in the life of Charles Robinson? Man, it's a long week because we're <laughs> setting up rings at the stadium. And, you know, we have practice rings. We have main rings. We have rings at Access. We have uh, rings at the arena for... NXT, which those guys set up. So it's a very, very busy week. I didn't even think of that. You know, you you take that for granted. There's so many rings set up so many places. And I know that they have practice rings uh, as well at different places. And then the access, I, I totally forgot all about that. You just assume that the the mania ring is uh, is, is the, the only one you have to worry about. I saw a little documentary, not to get off track on the mania ring. Is Did, did y'all use right. the heated one? We did use the heated one. How's Thank that? Goodness. How's that? I mean, does it when when you're in there and it's like uh, you know 50 degrees outside? Does it? Could you feel the heat emanating from it, or is it more uh, just to keep everything from freezing or, or or getting too cold? It's just to keep the guys from getting too cold because you know they're running around in pretty much their underwear. So um, they have holes in the poles, and it has heat coming out of those. Oh, there's cool. also heating. Yeah, and then there's some heaters up above the ring that no one probably even noticed. Um, and those get very, very hot. But hey, for my match, I wasn't even in the ring for two minutes. And that, Miz and Shane were out and about, so I didn't get true. the benefit of the heated ring. False Count Anywhere match, how was that? That was incredible, man, right? Those guys did a hell of a job. Yeah, great stuff, and uh, great job as always. Um, so we'll get to what your first WrestleMania uh, in a little bit, but I want to okay. go back to the beginning as we normally do. I know you grew up in the Mid-Atlantic uh, area as a fan. Uh, when did you start watching wrestling? When did you start thinking about, hey, maybe this is something I could get involved in? Um, back around 1974, I was 10 years old, 11 years old. Um, flipped on the Channel 3 WBTV here in Charlotte. And there on the screen was the nature boy, Rick Flair, and I fell in love with wrestling <laughs> from that moment on. <laughs> and, you know, he's always been my favorite. I mean, seriously, from the day one. Um, and I love wrestling, but back in those days, if Flair wasn't on the card, I did want to go. Wow. That's amazing. You know? Um, yeah. So uh, when did you think, uh, you know, did you ever think, you know, about being a wrestler or was it always a referee or let me just get my foot in the door or, you know, this is the, this is impossible, but I'll give it a try. Or was it just pure luck? It was actually pure luck, man. I started very, very late in my life being a referee. Um, I just moved back from Florida, um, recently divorced and just wanted something to fill my time. And I found a small group in Charlotte. It was PWF. They were the Pro Wrestling Federation. And it was run by the Italian Stallion and the amazing George South. <laughs> and uh, I love George. Who doesn't love George? And um, well, I know people that don't like George. But, no, no, um, I laugh because I, <laughs> I, I laugh because I've heard stories about the the, the, the rookies wrestling for like a, a a burger and a coke. So I always get a kick out of wow, that. Wow, they got a burger. I just got a hot dog. <laughs> I'm not cheaper. <laughs> but I actually went to them. Um, I was in the Navy for six years on submarines. Wow, and that's cool. one of my, yeah, one of my jobs, I was a photographer. So I decided to go to those guys and use that skill 
um, just to be around the business. And I took pictures for them for months and months and actually had some pictures published in The Wrestler and Inside Wrestling Magazines. Those are a couple publications that they're long gone now, but uh, they were very, very important wrestling publications back then. And one night, George South says, hey, we want to do an angle. You're going to take a picture. The flash is going to go off. The heel's going to get blinded. He's going to get rolled up and lose. He's going to come out. He's going to beat you up. He's going to throw your head into the pole. <laughs> You're going to get color. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah, man. And uh, come back to next week as a special guest referee. So they had no idea if I could referee or not. They were just trying to do something different from everyone else in the area. And Did- the next week, I- what's that, David? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, the next week I came back and I refereed and they said, hey, you're pretty good at that. And the ball was rolling and I kept doing it for them for every weekend for the next 18 months to two years. So you kind of trained on the job. It was 100% training on the job. A lot of my training, though, was watching uh, videotapes of Tommy Young, who definitely in the NWA Mid-Atlantic area, you know, he was the top referee in the area. Um, so he was sort of my referee mentor hero. You couldn't get much better than that. He was uh, he was the best for sure, in my opinion. We've had we, we had him on the show, great guy. And uh, and when I was a fan, he always he always stood out to me as 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 animated and very into the match, and and just uh, really played a huge part of uh, of, of making the whole uh, spectacle uh, of, of usually a world title match at the time. Um, they told you to blade. Did you, you didn't have any second thoughts about that? I, they, I, that's one thing I've never been asked to do. And I don't know how I'd react to that. Oh, I had no problem. I'm a big fan of horror movies. So <laughs> I like the blood and the gore. So when I had the chance to bleed, I, I jumped right onto it. Uh, you're a better man than no. I, I probably would, but I don't know that I, <laughs> I don't know that I, I, I don't I, know. If, I'm not a better man. I'm probably just a little crazier than you. Uh, I don't know about that, my friend. Hey, I remember I, I, I talked about this in the in the uh, introduction. I remember uh, September. I looked it up to date. September fifteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Uh, we were in Charlotte, North Carolina, yep. and you got a tryout uh, dark match. And I think we we had a, a few words before in the dressing the little locker room area, uh, or you know, just to introduce myself and uh, asked about uh, you know where you came from. I think now that I think back, I think it had to do with you being a George South and Italian Stein gay. I probably asked you if you got uh, if you ever got paid or if you just got a hot dog and coke because that always that always <laughs> tickled my funny bone. That always tickled my funny bone. Uh, but um, yeah. one of the reasons is it's like they were like proud of it when they would come and bring guys for enhancement guys. When I was bringing guys from Florida, they were like proud there. They'd be like, right. Scotty McKeever, tell, t- tell everybody what we paid you for main event. And he, he said, oh, this week I got a, a two liter bottle. <laughs> and it was like an ongoing rib. So it's like if you're going to if you're going to oh. make a joke about it, I'm going to get kick out of it. So so how how nervous, if at all, were you in that, that tryout match? Oh, I was very nervous, you know. I, I walked backstage. There's you. There's Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor was very important for me actually getting the tryout. I had bothered him for months and months. I would call him down in Atlanta. I would send him tapes. I would send mail to him. Um, he finally got tired of me bothering me. And I showed up in Charlotte. He goes, hey, Charles, do you have your bag? I said, of course I have my bag. And he goes, well, we'll give you a tryout. And he's always told me, he goes, I was the most persistent and annoying person he's ever had. So he finally decided to give me a shot. You know, persistence pays off, especially in this business. And, uh, you know, so, some people think that, you know, you don't want to bother people. But some, you know, and, and you, normally in life you yeah. don't. Normally in life you don't. But in a situation like this, uh, when, when people are traveling so often and, and, and they get, a you know, tw- 25 tapes a day from wannabe wrestlers and referees right. and ring announcers and all that, uh, it doesn't hurt to be a little pain in the rear uh, you know, then you show up at a town and just to, to get probably just he probably figured whatever happened, whether you got a job or not, at least you never call him again. Yeah, you know, David, and that's why I tell people all the time. I say, you know, be persistent because it's better for them to know who you are by annoying them and not know who you are. Because if they forget about you, you'll never have a shot. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. So did you ever know Ric Flair before you started working in WCW? 
Um, I'd met him several times, you know, just throughout the years. Uh, when I was in the Navy, I came home one time and found out where he lived and went over to his house. And I was going to try to start up a Rick Flair fan club. Um, but, you know, that's the only time I really got to spend any time with him. I just showed up on his doorstep and Charlotte was, gosh, probably seven years old. And uh, she goes, I'm Charlotte Flair. I said, okay, where's your dad? And uh, I talked to her dad, talked to Rick for a little bit about starting a fan club and just because of everything with Jim Crockett. Um, Jim Crockett Promotions might have been part of it back then. I'm not sure. But um, for legal reasons, we couldn't do it. So you actually went out. How old were you at the time? I, I was in the Navy. I was probably 23, 24 years old. So you, boy, you have more, you know what, cojones than I, I remember you. That, that explains why you've gotten so far and, and, and had such a, a, a amazing career. Uh, you know, cause we used to travel together a little bit, but, uh, I don't, I, you we know, did. a lot of it is hazy, but, uh, I know it's not for you because, uh, you're always straight, which is probably why you look so great. And I, and I look, uh, every bit of 52 that I am, but, um, uh, so you at 20 something years of age without any, uh, without any advanced setting, you just cold called Ric Flair, rang his doorbell <laughs> and asked him to start a, a fan club. Yep. Absolutely. Now, I now didn't th- go that well, but, uh, but I, I had the nerve to do it. That's a lot of nerve actually, because back then, you know, you know, there were no cell phones, there were no texting. So, you know, you pretty much had to knock on a door and, and, and now that you know Rick and Rick's a great guy, but Rick is very moody, uh, depending on things, uh, that could have gone a lot worse. Well, you know, he was in a pretty good mood because he was actually home spending yeah, time with his family. So, you know what I mean? He wasn't out on the road killing himself. Um, <laughs> and one other time that I met Rick, that was neat. I used to go to shows out in, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina at the ballpark. He was working Wahoo McDaniels, and it was intermission time. So I went down to say hi to him, and he had me go buy a Coke for him. And he let me keep the quarter afterwards, which was great. <laughs> so you had great. Keep the quarter. You had positive interaction with Ric Flair at, uh, leading up. Uh, real quickly, because I know this is about you, but it's funny that you mentioned that. My my first time I ever had any interaction with Ric Flair, I was um, working with Bob Roop setting up ra- uh, the ring and promoting independent shows in uh, South Florida, and uh, okay. it was before I'd ever been to WCW, and I. Went down to the James L. Knight Center. Bob Roop called uh, uh, the local promoter. Uh, it would, uh, NWA was in the in the area, and the local promoter was Danny Miller. He used to do the the championship wrestling from Florida before that went out of business. So I met Danny Miller, and Danny said, uh, "You know, I said, is there anything I could do to help? I'm happy to do anything, small, large." And Danny said, "You know what?" Uh, check in with me in about an hour. And I said, okay, where do you want me to be? And he said, you know what, go down to the dressing room. I know you know a lot of the local guys because they were doing enhancement matches. So there's a ton of local guys right. there. So I went in the the, the, the the locker room and I was just talking to the guys. And Rick, the ele- there was different floors. You've been at the James L. Knight Center. I think there's different floors and the elevator opens. Right. Uh, so the elevator opens and Ric Flair comes in. And he looks at me and goes, who are you? And I reached out my hand. I said, my name is – and before I could say anything, he said – what are you doing here? And I said, I was told, he goes, are you a worker? And he kept interrupting me. Are you a worker? I said, no, I'm a ring announcer. He goes, are you ring announcing this show? I said, no, I'm here with Danny. I don't care. Get the F out of my locker. You know how Rick could be back then. Yeah. Get the F out of my locker room. So I went out and I was mortified. And I told Danny Miller, you know, I'm going to stay. I'll stay by the ring. And if you need me, let me know. And I called, talked to Bob Roop. And I was like, uh, you know, how much worse could that have gone? And the funny thing is when Bob went up to WCW and made arrangements for me to bring the guys, I was petrified that Rick was going to see me and throw me out again. I had no idea that he wouldn't have remembered that that <laughs> night. You, you know how it is. That night, he came up, but I, I, didn't, I didn't know that then. If I'd have seen him in the bar that night, he probably wouldn't have remembered who I was and probably would have let me buy him a drink. So, so you know... But uh, yeah, that was just the road and, and the stresses of the road and and, yeah. and, the, and the you know and the kayfabe the way that was the way the business was. Of and, course, it was very kayfabe back then. So and I Bob, wish I would have been part of that. 
So, yeah. So Bob, so Bob said, well, I'll meet you there. So if Rick gets on you, you know, and, and then I get there and Bob leaves a message and says, I had a car accident. I'm not going to be there till seven o'clock. So I went up to jo- Jody Hamilton, who was the guy that Bob was going to introduce me to. And, 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 and he said, all right, well, this is what you do. And I literally hid from Ric Flair. I thought for sure if he saw me, he would remember me from a year and a half before when he kicked me out of the dress room. And I would, that would be the end of my uh, WCW before I ever did. So I just thought you'd get a kick out of the story. I told Rick later on that story, and he was he was actually right. really embarrassed. He was like, I'm really sorry, man. That's just the way it was back then. It wasn't anything personal. And we still, we still laugh about it uh, to this day if I see him. We laugh about how he says, you know, you know, Rick, hey, hey, you know, whoever's around. Hey, Kevin, Kevin Nash, Kevin. Let me tell you about when I kicked him out of the dressing room when he was uh, and, and 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 then he came then he came to Gainesville, Georgia, and hid from me for right. a year and a half later. Anyway, I just I, I just got reminded of that story. So you got lucky. Is was was my point to ring his doorbell well, and come out standing no worse for wear. It was. I feel blessed then because I didn't know he was like that with you. <laughs> you know me. I'm just a heat sinking missile. Hey. uh... I was. I actually went back and watched this for the first time since it happened, and I wanted to. Uh, it was. Um, it was actually in Tampa, Monday Nitro, in Tampa, where I've lived for fifteen, seventeen years. It was uh, December fourteenth, nineteen ninety eight, and they did it. What I didn't realize, and I don't. I don't think you did either, but I'm not sure. Uh, what was an angle of Ric Flair having a heart attack? And right. You could actually see me and you talking. I was petrified. I thought the guy was having a heart attack. And, you know, I'd gotten yeah, to know man. Rick a little bit, driving with him and Arn, and, and, and I thought he was having a heart attack, and, and I was freaking out. And I, you could go back and see me and you talking. Did you – I think that you thought he was having a heart attack too, is that, or, or were you were – Absolutely. You, yeah, no, we both did. They didn't, tell, they didn't tell anybody. I mean, no one. Maybe a select few, but I didn't know, and uh, I was petrified. Yeah, I think we no, looked at I each thought, other and I we both. The guy was going, Go ahead. Yeah, I thought he was going to die right there on the spot. You yeah, know? I did too, and I hadn't watched it since it, since the night it aired. But I figured I thought about it when we were. I was prepping for the show, and I, I remember. I think me. I looked at you, and you looked at me, and we had like tears in our eyes. No, no joke. I mean, no I, joke. Yeah, I thought the guy was good, was was a goner, you know. Um, and then after the after the show was over, I went back and. He, again, he apologized. Sorry, Penzer. I, would, I didn't know, you know, you didn't get smartened up. I was like, you scared the living hell out of me. But, uh, right. but yes, I just, I didn't, but I was pretty sure that you weren't smartened up to it either. And I remember us looking at each other like petrified, like, yeah. what the heck are we going to do? It's live television. And both of our heroes and uh, friend, are now friends is about to die on national television. So crazy stuff. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm certainly not um, that good of an actor. So. <laughs> <laughs> So in 1999, you got to morph into Little Nate, and uh, no, 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 I was Little Nate years, years before that. Man, I was wearing robes and sequin jackets to high school. So I've, I've been Little Nate for 40 years now. <laughs> so in so in real life, you were you were always uh, Little Nate, but in WCW. <laughs> Yes, in WCW, 1999. How did that come about? How were you told? What were you thinking? Because that had to be a crazy kind of career moment. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Kevin Nash was doing the booking for the company then, and he knew I was a huge Ric Flair fan, and he came up to me one day and just says, Brother, would you have a problem doing a job to a female if we get in a set of boots? And I said, Absolutely not. And that's what they did, man. They had Olivia Walker in all of Rick's robes. Yeah. Um, she made a robe for me, um, made my tights, got some boots made. I had the whole ensemble when they had the hair bleached out solid platinum blonde. And uh, and off we go to the races. I remember that. I remember so, that. What was yeah. going through your mind? Uh, very, very nervous. Because, number one, I don't have a body where I want to take my shirt off in public, for one. And, um, you know, I don't know how to wrestle. I've never wrestled in my life except for a little bit of amateur stuff in junior high school. Um, but Kevin, um, Kevin was awesome. We went down to Tampa, worked with Randy Savage and Gorgeous George for a few days and put together everything. And, I mean, it was incredible. 
I thought it turned out really good. I thought it was very entertaining. Yeah, I remember it. I remember that it was. The next week on Monday Night Show, you actually got to team with your hero. That had to be even more uh, exciting. Uh, when did you find out about that? What was going through your head? Um, they told me, they called me probably Wednesday, Thursday, told me to bring my stuff that I was going to be working again. And uh, showed up. We did a match. It was uh, Rick and myself against Medusa and Randy Savage. Right. And, and I mean, Medusa, she is absolutely incredible. She made me look like a million bucks. She made me do moves I didn't know I could do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Rick, he's not going to do the job. <laughs> he's not going to take the Savage elbow off the top. So I laid there, and I took the big elbow. And two weeks later, I was out of the hospital. Yeah, I remember that. That didn't end so well. You remember it start- that? Yeah, yeah. It, st- it started off great. You and Nature Boy tag teaming. Who could ever believe it on on Monday Night Show? You know, t- top rated t- uh, TV show. You know, talk about living your dream. You know, fantasy camp, and then uh, didn't oh. e- didn't end as well. No, you know, it was pretty awesome. We did the synchronized corner flips, slam off the tops. I mean, I thought it was a fun match, um, but the elbow was not good. And Rick and I, supposedly, we were going to team up all summer. I don't know how much truth is in that. But they said we were going to team up all summer. But since I got injured, that got nixed, of course. Because ah. I was out of action. Yeah, I was out of action for like three months. When did you know that you were, that you were, the, that it was bad? When did you, when the, when the elbow landed? I actually thought that I just had the air knocked out of me. And I went up to my hotel room. And two hours later, I still couldn't breathe. And I called Jimmy Hart. And Jimmy called the EMTs, and they took me away. Wow. How, what did you have again? A, a collapsed lung? Collapsed lung, cracked sternum, and some vertebrae were cracked. Let me ask you a question. No. I know you're in a lot of pain. I know you're in a lot of pain because I know even having a, uh, uh, you know, anything in your lung, if every time you breathe, sneeze, cough, whatever, it's it's horrifying. Uh would you would you have done it? Would you do it all over again to be able to team with Ric Flair on Monday Nitro? Absolutely, yes, <laughs> without a doubt, absolutely. Yes. No, who so wouldn't it, in their right mind, right? Well, there's probably a lot of people who wouldn't, but there's nobody, not a lot of people like Charles Robinson. God bless you. Okay. Um, so we mentioned that you were that we traveled together. I believe uh, it was uh, you and me and Arn and Danny, the trainer, for most of the time. Correct, right? Uh, any. And he's, you know, Arn's hilarious, as we all know. And um, and because you didn't drink, I think you ended up a lot of times a designated driver. So thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, but uh, any stories that stand out uh, traveling with Arn or, or being around Arn because such a funny guy? Well, it, no, he was a great guy. He liked to drive at nighttime. Um, if we drove in the daytime, I drove in the daytime. But he always liked to drive at night um, for some reason. I don't know why. The best story, and you don't remember it, we were in Missouri during a snowstorm, and there was a lot of traffic in our car. You lost control of the car because somebody slammed on their brakes in front, and you recovered, and you saved our life. But you do not remember that, do you? No, you mentioned that on Twitter, and I don't. I said, so we were, yeah. what were, how did I save our lives? What were we about to do, like go over an overpass or something? Brother, you had excellent road skills, as Arn calls it. You know, you just saved us. You, you know, we missed another car. We would have gone down into the ravine and probably flipped over. But you avoided the car and you kept it on the road. And it was a really, really bad ice storm, ice and snowstorm. You'd think I remember that. I'm like deathly afraid of dying. I'm like a, a, a hypochondriac. You'd think I rem- I'd remember that. I don't know. Maybe my mind has blocked it out because I was so freaked out. But I'm I'm I'm, I'm yeah. honored now that I can say that I saved your and Danny's and uh, uh, and Arn's <laughs> life. You still see you still see Danny? I think he's still in Charlotte. No, he's not. They moved to Sacramento. Oh, did they? Is he working out yes. there for the what, what the Kings? Um, he's working for some doctor out there. He got him a good job with an orthopedic surgeon. And, um, he's been out there for three, four years. Wow. Yeah. He's, he's still still married to Kristen, right? He's still married to Kristen. Yeah. We saw him last year. I went out there and went skiing at Lake Tahoe with him. But, um, very cool. Next time you talk to him, send him my best. Do they have any kids? They do not. They don't want to have kids. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we don't want them to have kids. 
So any other stories that, uh, other than the fact that I saved your life, which is humbling, any other stories uh, about uh, me and you and Danny and Arn driving? I'm oh sure. You know, Arn used to, Arn used to uh, you know, I asked you a question and I, I kept talking and I apologize. But Arn used no, that's to. Okay. I don't think that people understand how funny Arn Anderson is. And the ironic thing is he's, you're laughing hysterically as he's insulting you. Of course. I mean, that's why I do it now to other people. You know, it's fun to do that to people. So he's 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 the king of that. And he's so, so quick witted, too. I just wish I could remember so much stuff because so many things happened. It's just my memory, especially in the early days when we used to take chair shots. I took so many chair shots on the Indies to the head. Um, I just don't remember all that much stuff. If I remember something, it's pretty significant. Wow. Have you ever now that they have a wellness policy and all that? I'm sure you've gotten checked out. I hope you're all right. I'm just old now, so I forget, I forget yeah. stuff from being old. <laughs> We're both. It's funny. I, I can't. That'll be like something that I saw on TV earlier in the day. I can't remember. And then, but like a song will come on that I haven't heard in 15 years, and I know every word to the song. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on with my head? Because this all doesn't make sense. Um, man. So. Uh, you got to ref so many incredible matches. I, I didn't even realize how many incredible moments in wrestling history that you got to ref. I had actually forgotten that you refed uh, the, the, the main event of the last Nitro, uh, Ric Flair against Sting. Sting, and, yeah. yeah. What, how, what were your emotions that night? Uh, how did you find out you were refing, and, and, and what do you remember about that? Um, of course, found out at the last moment that I was refereeing it. Um, very, very mixed emotions that night as all of us, because nobody knew if they had a job or not. Um, and, you no, know, WCW was good to me, and I had great times there, and I was sad. I think most people were very, very sad, and most people were crying. But, you know, things things move on. And But the big thing was wondering whether you had a job the next day. I sat at home for three months before I even got a call from WWE. I had no idea if I'd ever referee again. Oh, really? So you didn't get, you weren't part of the contingent that went to go meet in the, the hotel room with Jim Ross and, and John Laurinaitis a couple weeks later? Nope, absolutely not. Oh. I got a call on um, about June the 28th, and they said to show up in Tacoma, Washington on July the 2nd. And the only reason I remember that date is because it's my birthday, so it really sticks out. Oh, wow. So, and you were the referee for the uh, Buff Bagwell Booker T match, correct? Was I? <laughs> That's one of those I try to forget. I guess if you say that I was, then I was. I, I was just guessing that if they brought you out there, yeah, that was I what have, they brought yeah, you out there for. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea what match I did. I know that's sad, but I just don't remember. I don't think it was that great of a match, though, right? I, I, we had Buff on a, a couple of months ago, and he said that they yeah. they told him to do a WCW style match, and that they didn't really understand what that meant, and that every agent they went to had a different explanation of what that meant. Right. So they didn't really know what to do, and they had never we had, we were never really in Washington State for the most part. Is WCW right. is one of the places we just didn't go. So uh, were you in the production meeting uh, uh, for for that? Do you remember? Yeah, I was not. I don't believe I was. There'd okay. be no reason for me to be in a production meeting. So the, meeting, the, yeah. the, the refs aren't in the production meetings in WWE? No, no. I think I think the referees were taping me up and introducing me to The Rock during that meeting. <laughs> well, I was going to... I accidentally threw some water on one of the referees. It was an accident. So they taped me up and they made my hand a bird and they put a sign on that said The Rock Who wow. and they pushed me up to The Rock. So, and how called. did that... How did that go? It went well. He goes, you're Charles Robinson, Little Nates, right? No, he didn't say that really, but <laughs> he laughed about it. Well, at least you met him, although under uh, uh, tenuous circumstances. that's There's only two people in this business I think I've never met. Is the One's The Rock and one's uh, Vince McMahon, uh, the other. Wow. And so uh, uh, we'll ask about Vince later on. But uh, So did he at least work it like he was hot at you, or he just uh, let you off easy? He let me off easy. I, I think he thought the uh, rib was big enough for me getting taped up. I mean, I was taped <laughs> to a chair. I couldn't even get out of it. So they probably used three or four rolls of duct tape. That's I was funny. My next question was, how is the transition to WWE any bumps? Well, <laughs> maybe not wrestling bumps, but that was a bump for sure. <laughs> There's the bump. Any, any it was th- a great transition. 
What was it like? Because everybody that I talked to talks about, and, and I hate to talk bad about WCW, but the end of WCW is just such a miserable experience. I, I, I tend not to remember that. And, and, our, and, you know, time makes you remember the good things and not the bad things. But if you're being honest, it was just, you know, nobody knew from, you know, if Eric was going to buy the company and uh, if, if they were going to. And then all of a sudden they sold it for pennies on the dollar and gave us like, right. no, you know, a week's notice. So it was really it was not a good scenario. Um, everybody talks about how much more professional WWE is, totally different, different atmosphere as far as um, the environment. Did you notice that when you were un, when you were un, when, when you, they, they let you all out of the chair and you got to really take it all in? Did you notice the difference? Um, WWE was much more polished and more organized, I guess. I didn't really pay attention much in WCW. I mean, I was very green. I'd only been in the business three, four years at the end. So, um, you know, I just try to keep my mouth shut pretty much at that point. In WCW, I didn't look to see what was going on backstage. I hardly ever saw Eric Bischoff um, or Vince Russo. You know, I, I, I didn't interact with those guys. Probably the only interaction I had with Bischoff was, I don't know if I've told the story before, but when I was first there, you know, Eric Bischoff was a big, big deal, you know, yeah. and I kept looking at him because I was just so excited to be with this company. He told Terry Taylor, he goes, can you go tell that blonde headed referee to quit staring at me because it's freaking me out? <laughs> God, I so, love uh, Eric Bischoff. I, I, well, you I, do. I think when I was talking to Jericho, he asked me what my relationship with Eric was. And I think my response was he walked by me with his head down. Uh, which is uh, which right, is pretty, right. We know. we did not interact with him. You know, no. there was no reason to. And you know, getting to know him afterwards, and and getting to know him a little bit better in recent years, uh, he was on this podcast. Uh, you know, I, I just think that's his personality. But 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 and then he had so much going on, he just didn't even realize that he, you know, that people actually were, you know, that it made people uncomfortable because he was the big boss. And you felt like sort of like you weren't appreciated. I, I don't think he even thought any of that. But at the time, you know, it was it was pretty he was pretty intimidating. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. It was intimidating. I mean, just like Vince McMahon's intimidating. Um, and I was going to ask you. How- speak to him. Yeah. I was going to ask you, how was your first interaction with Vince McMahon? I'm assuming he didn't tell Terry Teller to tell you to stop staring at, at him. No, but they did um, need a protein shaker, and I had one, and they borrowed it from me. And when he was done with it, he said, give it back to that little Ric Flair referee. So <laughs> that was my first. <laughs> the little Ric Flair ref. So there's worse things to be known as, though. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I took that to take that as a compliment. Well, what is your? Yeah. You've been there a long time. What is your favorite interaction uh, with Vince, if you have one? Um, he shook my hand. No, <laughs> 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 uh, no, you know, I really don't. I, I'm so intimidated by him sometimes that I'll see him coming down the hall and I'll turn and go the other way. Um, it's really, just, he just has that. He just has that presence. But he's a great guy. You know, he's a nice guy. He's a businessman. Um, but man, he's the king of wrestling. He made this business what it is, you know, and Bischoff, and I'm not taking anything away from him because I think Bischoff is a genius and the Monday night wars were phenomenal. And what he did with the NWO and such, I don't think it could ever be replicated, you know? Um, but that's why I didn't really talk to him either because he's so intimidating. Yeah. Like I said, I've never met Vince, but, uh, I was sure intimidated by Eric at the time, and actually it took me a little while to, to to feel comfortable around him. And not, I didn't even work for him anymore, and I still would be intimidated if I saw him somewhere after WCW went out of business. But we we we, yeah. we I did a um I did a, a about five years ago, six years ago, I did a Hulk Hogan. Uh, uh, it was a. a like you know, now everybody has these talk shows where they where they uh, they go on stage and they tell stories and they take Q and A's and this was sort of the precursor to that. And uh, I was the I was the the moderator and, and Eric was at, was kind of leading Hulk through the questions. And after it was over, right. we had done it in New York City on on Broadway and we had, and we did it in Toronto, a couple other places. And after we were done, uh, Hulk took a jet and went home, and I went down to the bar wherever we were. And uh, Eric was there by himself. So he said, hey, David, come sit down. It's the first time, and this is five wow. or six years ago, it was the first time that I really ever sat down and had a conversation with Eric Bischoff 
and it was it was still kind of intimidating. It's it's kind of funny, you know. You look back, but um, it was it was it was very it, it was kind of it kind of was like it was, it was a, if I never saw Eric Bischoff again, and I haven't, he's been great. Uh, it was a great way for the story to end. We had a great conversation. Didn't say anything about WCW days really. Just talked about the business, about our families. Uh, he picked up dinner and drinks afterwards, and said and said nice. to me said to me, I really enjoyed the conversation. And I was like, I went back up and I called my wife and I said, you'll never believe what just happened. And, you know, if that was the last thing that I ever, when I ever saw him, it would have been a cool ending. But uh, we've seen each other and he was on the podcast, like I said. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great to be able to, to uh, you know, maybe in 25 years, uh, 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 you and Vince could have that moment. I hope so. You know, and, <laughs> and I, I do. And with, as Eric goes, um, you know, We've, we've talked a few times, but I think in WCW, because of all the flair stuff going on, all the heat that they had between themselves and what was happening, you know, Rick was my buddy and my idol. So I probably didn't want to have much to do with Eric at that time anyway. Probably not. You know? You're right. I and forgot it, about probably that. my thoughts were, you know, this guy's, he's an a-hole, you know. <laughs> but um, now that I've gotten to know him and talk to him, he's probably still a little, <laughs> little bit of an a-hole, but, but, uh, but he's an awesome guy. Just as and person- he has to stay. He does have the second greatest hair in wrestling, too. <laughs> After you, Just of so course. So he knows. Yeah. So I, I, I would think Rick has the greatest, and then you have the second greatest, and then Eric has the third greatest. So you're above there Blair. There you go. <laughs> so, see? So tell me about how you felt being uh, at your first WrestleMania. It's one of the things I'm, I talk about. Uh, my bucket list, the only two things I haven't checked off is uh, – is, uh, Ring announcing Madison Square Garden and ring announcing uh, WrestleMania, which this, the latter will never happen and the former probably will never happen as well. Uh, and I'm cool with that. But what was it like for you? I always like to ask people how their first WrestleMania is because uh, it's such a huge event in our sport. Absolutely. Um, man, it was awesome. It was in Toronto, WrestleMania 18. Um, I went up there with my uh, wife at the time, Amy, um, who, actually, who was my last WrestleMania with her because she passed away. God bless. Um, I remember that. That's yep. a horrible story. Remember that? Yeah. Horrible story. And um, and I had Ric Flair versus The Undertaker. So what a great way to start a journey with WWE and WrestleMania with that match, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like, like I said, I didn't realize how many high-profile matches you've refed. I mean, it, it is absolutely a uh, – I actually wrote down a live-my-dream lottery ticket that, you got, that you've won. Uh, for for the wrestling business, I got to live my dream, but you've got to do uh, so much and, and so many historic moments. I did see, and I didn't remember this, that you took a tombstone from the Undertaker. I don't think it was in that match uh, at WrestleMania, but uh, what was what was that like? Well, he's one of the best in the business, so he certainly knows how to protect you. But uh, when he lifts you up, it's a pretty scary feeling because he's a big, big man. Um, I've actually had him choke slam me a couple times. I've had the rock bottom done. I've been Stone Cold's stunner. I've had it all done to me. As a wrestling fan, but also a professional uh, uh, in your business, is there is there a little bit of marking out when you take those those, those famous moves, uh, or is it just business at this point? Early, early in your career, um, when they happen, you're marking out a little bit. But now at this point, um, it's business. You know, I still enjoy working with certain guys a lot, um, but it's all business now for me. You know, I don't mark out as, as much. I mark out when the guys come back around, like when The Rock comes back around for special appearances, um, something like that. I'm a little bit of a mark. But uh, otherwise, it's business. I'm, I'm so busy during the day doing production work, setting up the ring, and running around that I don't really have time to mark out. Any, did you mark out at all when, uh, I don't even know if you were there because you do SmackDown, when Undertaker uh, music hit this Monday, this past Monday at Raw? Yeah, I wasn't there, man. Oh, I missed it. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I was, you mentioned sometimes when guys come back, you know, uh, you mark out a little bit. I I didn't real, you know, I didn't ever th- thought that Undertaker would be on Raw if he wasn't on WrestleMania. So when uh, when that happened, that was, uh, that was a pretty cool moment. Got a little goosebumps on my on my arm. Oh, of course, but you know, I saw I saw him during the day, um, during the weekend. So I got to talk to him for a few minutes to him and Michelle. So that was all. That's always fun to do. So you did Ric Flair's retirement match at WrestleMania 24, 
Um, I retired him. Yeah. <laughs> Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels didn't retire him. If the count wouldn't have happened, it, you know, he wouldn't be retired. So, I retired Ric Flair. I retired Shawn Michaels. Um, <laughs> I retired a couple of the two greatest. When did you I find say that in jazz? Of course you do. Uh, when did you find out that you would be the referee for that match that Flair requested? It just, or did you request it, or how did that come about? Um, it just happened. I don't know if Rick requested it. I certainly didn't request it because I don't like to request matches. Um, I like to just deal with what I'm given and do the best that I can. But I was lucky enough to get it done. But I think we knew like a month out that I was going to referee that match. A very emotional finish. One of the most emotional and memorable finishes in in a a match that I could think of in all the years I've been watching wrestling where he said, I love you, I'm sorry, right before he gave him the super super kick and pinned him. Uh, As as, as a referee and a Ric Flair fan, you know, we talked about how in the beginning, early stages, you marked out at stuff and and, and you kind of now it's just part of the business. Was there any emotion in that ring uh, that you felt uh, at the moment or are you just there to do your job and then soak it up later? Um, Going into the go-home sequence, you know, with the kick and all, I think all of us were already crying. So there was a lot of emotion in the ring. Uh, who wasn't emotional that night? Yeah, but yeah we were all crying. I, I, I rolled right out of the ring because I was sobbing and just walked right. I left. Whoever came up with that finishing sequence, was uh, kudos to them because probably uh, one of the most memorable. I always say my favorite WCW moment was when Ric Flair came back in the Horseman in Greenville, North Carolina, when Arn put him back together. But uh, right. Uh, it was as, it, to me that moment uh, was as memorable watching on TV as as the Horseman moment was live, and just there's certain moments uh, that you'll never forget. And that you know, I love you. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just unbelievable. It still gives me uh, yeah goosebumps now that we're talking about it. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that Rick and Sean put that together themselves. I don't think they needed any help putting together a match. So another famous match that you reffed, which kind of brings it around all full circle, which is kind of funny, was uh, and I heard that right. Sting, Sting actually asked, chose you to referee this match was Triple H against Sting at 31. A uh, little deja vu in that match with the DX coming out and then the NWO coming out. It was man, that was that was incredible, and and I've heard the same thing about him asking. Um, I don't even know who I heard it from, whether that's true or not, but I'm honored that he would ask. But that. That was a fun match to do, for sure. Yeah, I, I really got a kick out of the, you know, they bring in, you know, I, I like I like things, uh, you know, returns. I like uh, famous things when people, you know, they pay tribute to them. Nostalgia, I guess you would call it. And so the nostalgia oh, of DX coming out and then Hogan and Nash and Hall coming out, uh, I, I, I just I got a kick of. And, you know, people say what they will about the finish of the match, but I just, the whole nostalgia of it, for me, I don't care. Who, who counted who and what happened. I just thought it was a nice little kind of tip your tip of the cap nod back to uh, a, a, a day gone by that was uh, that'll probably never be duplicated. Right. Now, I'm certainly sad that, you know, uh, Sting got injured where he can't work anymore because I would have loved to have worked a couple more of his matches. Yeah, that is a shame. Uh, one of the nicest. He's another one of the nicest guys in the business. Um, you talked a little bit about it, uh, just for the fans that may not know. In addition to being a ref, what are your other duties entail as part of being a WWE uh, referee, WWE uh, employee? Um, I'm part of the ring crew, which entails getting to the arenas very early in the morning, uh, setting up the rings, and then when the show's over, you take them down. So you might have a day that starts at 8 o'clock in the morning and finish up at 1 a.m. And then you travel to the next town. So it's a, it's a long day. But I wouldn't want to do anything else. I love I love doing the ring crew. I think the hard work keeps you young. So when you go into a town for a house show and um, and, and you're in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're in charge of putting up the yeah. ring. Do you, do, who, 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 who do you do it with? Is there a, a whole ring crew that actually goes on the road or is there, I remember back in the WCW days, it was, uh, it was usually Pez Watley and Klondike Bill or Klondike, yeah. Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker and Pez Watley and one of the, one of those groups. And they, I think they just kind of did it themselves, but you know, the world is way different now and, uh, you guys Absolutely. are way more corporate. So I'm wondering is, you know, do, do you have like people that are hired from the outside that you just tell them how to do it or are you literally putting the ring together? yourself um every town has 
we have stagehands that we hire through sure. the building, uh, some through unions. A lot of the cities are unionized now, so we use those. So I'm there directing, but it's still a lot of lifting because I'm just a hands-on guy, and I like to get involved. I don't like to just stand there and point. I think you can get things done faster and better by leading by example, you know, if that makes any sense. Um, so we're, um, I mean, we're actually grabbing it. The boards and stuff, I'll let the stagehands <laughs> handle, but I'm, but I'll, I'll grab the other stuff. I'll handle the poles and things like that. It's really amazing you know when it's really amazing when you look at uh, you, you look at the television production how uh, the entire ring is now in the and the turn and the corner uh, posts and all that are all now LED on TV. Uh, are, is that something that you're involved with putting together uh, at TVs, or is that you put up the ring and then production comes and puts up the LED? Right, stuff? that's how it happens. Yeah, I put yeah I build the ring and then we have video techs that come in and put on the the video walls, the skirting and the video poles. But that's something that, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, man, this is awful. This looks terrible. But now as time's gone on, if I see a ring without it, it's like it looks naked. So that's how much the sport has evolved over the years. But, you know, back in the day, we'd have just the ring. If we had bike rack, that was a plus. A lot of times it was just a little rope around the ring. The entrance away was a black curtain. But now we have a big video stage, even on our house shows. So there's that it has certainly evolved a lot. So it's a lot more work for the uh, house shows or live events. We have video techs, audio techs, production managers, producers. We have a whole group of six, seven production guys just on the live events. Yeah, it's a traveling sir. It's a traveling full blown traveling circus now. Wherever you go, not just television. Uh, I talked. Yeah. I talked to Fit Finley a lot, and he tells me about how much it's changed. And I'll tell you what, I agree with you. When I first saw the video stuff on the ring post, I thought it was really hokey. But now I think it. Now you know. Uh, I now I think it adds so much to the production of the show. I agree with you. Absolutely, the people that come up with that, they're genius because they're foreseeing what it should be later down the road and like you said if you don't see it now it's like wow that's so naked yeah you're right so uh how much longer are you thinking about doing this i know that uh you probably in your mind feel like i know you just went for a jog we were texting and you said i'm gonna go for a run and i'm thinking you're going for a run i don't i think the last time i went for a run when was when was was uh when somebody was chasing me but uh uh, I know that you. I know that you keep yourself in great shape. I know. Last week when we talked about doing the interview, I mentioned that uh, that Jerry Lawler, you, and Jimmy Hart all look way younger than your age. And the common denominator for that, is my mind, is that none of you guys ever drank or did drugs. Uh, I never did drugs, but I, as you know, I'm a bit of a drinker after the show's over. Right. So I, I, I wonder if that's the key, or if it's just three guys with good genetics who happen not to drink. Uh, I think it's. Uh, it has a lot to do with genetics, I think, and trying to be stress free. I try to try to be stress free. Um, every once in a while, I'll have a drink now, but not very often. If I have one, it's only one. So if I have two beers in a week, that's a lot for me. You know. Oh, see, if I knew, I was at the hotel on uh, on, on Friday night, uh, hanging with everybody. If I knew that you'd had a drink with me, I'd uh, I'd have call, called you and had you come down and have one drink with me, and that would have been uh, uh, would have been a pleasure to toast uh, our friendship and uh, your career. Well, I certainly would have done that, but I think you asked how long, how much longer do you think I'm going to do this? Yes, sir. Yeah, to be honest, I'm going to do it as long as they'll let me. If I can get another nine or ten years out of it, I would love to be a part of the WWE. Wow. You know, um, I just love what I do, and I'm certainly blessed to be able to do what I do. Yeah, you're one of these guys that nobody ever, you know, and and, and look, I'm not I'm putting words, not putting into words any in anybody's mouth, but wrestling's a challenging business, as you said, you know, long hours, long drives, That's, a lot of responsibility, right. and you're probably, and I know one of these guys that nobody has to worry about. They know if they ask Charles Robinson to do something, it's going to get done, it's going to get done right, it's going to get done on time. Uh, and it's going to get done professionally, and I, absolutely you know, that you know it's a it's a business where age is important. Uh, but but I think that you're being able to stay as young as you look and and being so consistent in in, in what you do, it's just a, a no brainer that they, they'll keep you around and let you keep doing it because you just don't find people like that in this business. And I'm not kissing your butt. I'm being honest with you. Uh, I would say oh, that to you. you if we were sitting in the bar having a drink, or if I or if 
you were on my podcast. Any thoughts on uh, when you're done, when when finally it is time, to, and any thoughts on being a, either a producer? I don't know if there's ever been a referee that's been a producer or a, a, like a referee trainer at NXT. I would love to be a trainer of some sort or even be a handler for the guys when they go out to Comic-Cons and do appearances and stuff. I'd like to be somebody that could take care of those guys. Um, so either or, I would love to go down to NXT and train guys, but I'd rather be out on the road and, and be around the boys and just making sure they're taken care of. And the girls, not just the boys, the girls too. Absolutely. So I'm going to wrap this up, and I, I, I thank you so much for your time. I know that you, your time is very limited, and, you know, it, it's not like Re- WrestleMania is over and you get a month off, you know, probably heading out in a, in a day or two. So I, I appreciate it. I mentioned earlier that your career is like living, uh, like winning the Live My Dream lottery, all the special things you got to do, uh, right. you know, from, from, from being Little Nate on Monday Nitro to, to uh, the last uh, main event on uh, on Nitro to the Flair's retirement match and the first WrestleMania that you did with Flair and Taker and Shawn Michaels and Sting and Triple H and even the one you did this year with uh, the crazy uh, 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 crazy bump at the end. And uh, yeah, it was shame. So um, when you look back at your career, uh, how do you process all the special things you were, you were, you've been a part of? Because it's really like a, a like a one of the greatest resumes of all time, especially for somebody who hasn't been a world champion wrestler. Um, I think I am truly blessed and was very lucky. I don't think that it's anything that I did um, to be put in those spots. I was just very lucky to be put in those spots, and I worked with. David, I worked with the greatest guys in the world, so how can the matches not be great? So it's not anything that I did. I consider myself a very average referee um, that just got a lot of recognition because of the thing with Flair, uh, the blonde hair, because everybody has short, cropped hair now, and I have long, blonde hair. So, And I'm just lucky. And I thank, my, thank God every day that I'm able to do this. It is, it is amazing looking back. Like I said, I didn't realize how many special things you were a part of, and it's really cool and very well-deserved. And I think when you say you're just an average referee, that that's just you being humble. Uh, I do not think that anybody who knows you as a fan or, or works with you uh, would say that at all. So, uh, hey, Charles, great to, to talk to you. Thank you so much. You're my first official WWE contracted guest on this show, and I, I, it was the first – First person that I would have asked for uh, because you're a class act and we've been through a little bit of your life together, but uh, I've watched from afar the rest of your times and uh, and and great to talk to you and best best wishes to you down the road. And uh, now Thank that you. I know now that I know that you'll have a cocktail once in a while next year in Tampa, <laughs> we got to make an appointment. Let's do it. We got to make an appointment. All right. We'll hey, definitely do it, buddy. For the three people that are listening to this podcast who don't follow you on social media, how do they follow you? WWE Robinson. That's on Instagram and Twitter. And that pretty, much, that pretty much says it all. I know that they don't put reps in the Hall of Fame, but I'm hoping you get your shot one day, and if so, it would be well-deserved. Charles, great talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Be safe on the road, and tell everybody I said hi. I will, buddy. Thank you so much. So that was a lot of fun, and what a, what a nice guy. Uh just a, a genuine guy, you know. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people in this business who are nice, but not so much genuine. Uh, which is why I said the word is overplayed sometimes. Truly genuine guy. Uh, he truly, truly, just appreciates. You know, he's very humble. Uh, you know, uh, most referees that have been in the business this long that have done what he did does would not want to be doing the ring crew. Would be up at eight in the morning. They'd think that they were too good for that. And he just is blessed. When he looks at that, he thinks he's blessed. He just has the opportunity to be able to be there. And uh, there's not many in the business like that. So I thank him so much for his time. And uh, uh, great guy, great stories. And uh, I still can't remember saving his life, but uh, I'll take him at his word. And uh, so I hope hope to see him down the road. I didn't know that he would have a drink every once in a while. So we will have a cocktail uh, if not sooner than the next WrestleMania here in Tampa, it will be then. We got a lot of great guests to come moving forward, so uh, stay with us. Bless you, Jerry. Uh, here we go again. Uh, are you good? 
You're good. All right. Want to thank you guys. Always have a blast doing this. Really appreciate your support. If you don't already, please subscribe wherever podcasts are found. You can follow me, like I said at the beginning, at David Penzer. You can follow the podcast at Penzer Ringside. And uh, uh, just uh, having a great time uh, sort of uh, reliving a dream here, talking to all these uh, great people. And thank you to Charles Robinson again, James Storm the week before. And uh, we'll be talking to so many more great wrestling talents and legends as City Ringside continues throughout 2019. Until next week, though, I'm David Penzer, still City Ringside. Thank you so much. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles and DJ Eakin, news and political pundits like Law and Crime Network's Vincent Hill, and independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crushell. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.